Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like Goldie and Arenado, are just stuck with the 2023 Cardinals. My name is Nate Heininger, <laughs> and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everybody. And this week on the show, we are going to chat about the upcoming trade deadline and how the Cardinals will handle it. We're going to check in on some recent roster moves and discuss the draft that just happened. We're going to talk a little bit about the outfield defense, make some bold predictions for the second half, and discuss the upcoming series against the Nationals and the series against the Marlins. idea for the opening bit tweet us at talk about birds hambone we've done it we've made it to the halfway point of 2023 actually a little bit past i was halfway i I, i'm always annoyed by that they call it the halfway point but it's really a little bit over that isn't it yeah it's i'm annoyed by it too who do do we talk to about this i guess and if it wanted to be like the true halfway point if you include the playoffs like maybe Hmm. It makes sense. Maybe and that's what they're getting at. But nobody ever says it like that. Um, well, we can be the change we want to see in the world. We're halfway through the baseball calendar. Um, there you go. At, at la- the whole calendar. And I- I'm yeah. comfortable saying that. There we go. But this is what well, I wanted to talk about today. There's nothing yeah. else going on. <laughs> yeah. We punched up our uh, way of framing where the all-star break sits in <laughs> baseball. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, run with it. Uh, no, we got a fair amount of things to talk about. Um, we had the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby to talk about. Uh, but before we do that, um, you've got a little trip coming up uh, yep. that we wanted to chat about. Can you, uh, why don't you, why don't you tell us what you're doing? Uh, I'm going to the Great White North, Nathan. Wow. Um, I'm going to uh, like Western Ontario. Uh, I fly out later this week to Minneapolis and I'll drive my happy little ass from uh, there all the way up to middle of nowhere, uh, Ontario. And I'm going to be living on an island in a shack uh, for six days um, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I will have almost no access to the outside world or internet. (laughs) Um, So I won't be watching Cardinals baseball, which might be a nice little reprieve uh, post all-star break. Um, but yeah, I'm going on a, uh, go, I'm going fishing. Nah, this is when they turn it all around and you're going to miss the, the beginning of the, of the come up the, uh, I, the 24 game win streak. Honestly, <laughs> that we're going to need I, the Cardinals are in such a way that like just something needs to change. And if somehow butterfly f- effect me not watching a couple mm-hmm. of series while I'm out of country, um, I wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be the most surprised. Like, cause just anything Anything yeah. needs to change. Um, I really do feel that when when a team is going like this, I, I like changing. I don't know what. what are you a, are you a superstitious watcher? Are you are you changing your shirt? Are you saying, "Oh, we won the series when I was when I ate four pounds of chicken wings"? So now every game I wa- I eat four pounds of chicken wings. Are you yeah, that kind of guy? That's why I eat four pounds of chicken <laughs> wings every game. It's for the team for the um, super. Yeah, no, but uh, are no. you, you know, 
No, no, I don't. Yeah. I, I, you know, you know me pretty well. I don't really believe in really anything like that. Any, <laughs> any kind of. I think it'd probably be easier for us to list what you do believe in. In fact. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I was, uh, I was so annoyed at the fireworks, uh, over 4th of July. I was like, Nate's going to ask me what I thought about it. I'm going to sound like the biggest grouch, but yeah, I just don't care about that kind of stuff. Um, I don't believe in superstition. Um, I do believe superstition holidays, uh, you know, getting together for fun. Nothing like like that. that. No, I like Mm. that getting together for fun. Um, is good. We, uh, I had a couple of, uh, lovely get togethers recently, Nathan. I have, wow. I have a social life, yeah. um, to, to something, degrees. something people with social lives often have to say. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, but, uh, I'm very cool. People like me. Yeah. I'm invited to many Same. places, events Same. and, uh, outings. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'll, I'll show you the receipts after the show. Uh, the last time you went fishing, I was there, um, and it went really, really well. Do you think you're going to oh, yeah. repeat the success that we had, uh, in the fishing tournament earlier this year? Yeah. You know, when you're hot, you're hot. And I think I'm going to take my previous streak into this week. And, uh, you know, I just, I don't see any signs of me slowing down or cooling off whatsoever. So yeah, yeah. I'm feeling good about it. Going to Bass Pro later tonight. Oh, what a great time. I think it's probably fair to say that uh, our fishing so far has mirrored the success of the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, so that's hopefully true. you can get a turnaround uh, in Canada and maybe yeah. get a little, a little turnaround for the Cardinals. Although, not to be the pessimist, but one thing that's been a little bit in the back of my mind as as we approach the trade, de- trade deadline, which we're going to talk about here in a moment, like, we are getting to the point where the Cardinals winning games while it's fun is is not necessarily the outcome that you want. When we talk about the 2024 draft, we've never had a high draft pick. And I right. am kind of like intrigued by the the idea of even having a high draft pick and the new lottery system and how you could end up being the first overall pick without necessarily having the worst record. Uh, and there's a couple really interesting players in the 2024 draft. But um. Yeah. And, you know, like five years ago, I probably would have said, no, nah, it would be nice. But, you know, whatever. The draft is such a crapshoot. I do feel like in the relatively recent history of baseball, the draft has been it's just so much more of a science than an art. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like the ones there, there's obviously always an exception, but the last five number ones have all turned out the last like just the higher end draft picks seem to be working out at a higher rate because of the information that we can glean from high schoolers and, and college players and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Like I, I think Mickey Moniak is the only first rounder in the past, like shit. I mean, maybe decade that hasn't really panned out and he's even hitting a little bit right now. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, there'd be a ton of value in that. The Cardinals aren't going to do that though. And the reason that they're not going to do that is because of 3.3 million fans coming to the ballpark. Um, So it's never going to be like that. Now they might trade their way into being quite uh, irrelevant uh, while not fully uh, giving up, but uh, we'll see. I I think uh, if the Cardinals pick in the top 15, I think that would be a a win Um, too bad. They weren't able to do it this year uh, in this draft that had talent just falling all over the place. But uh, yeah, although, Pretty happy with the first round pick. We'll get to that here yeah. in a little bit. Um, 
You know, it's funny you mentioned Mickey uh, Moniac or Maniac or I think it's Moniac. Moniac. Uh, If you look at that first round from 2016, it is there's a couple guys that are starting to pop from it, but it actually is one of the worst like top tens that we've seen in a while. It's uh, Mickey Moniac, Nick Senzel, Ian Anderson, Riley Pint, Corey Ray are the top five. All five of them have basically done. Well, two of those five, I don't even feel like I've never even heard of past the draft. Right. Uh, and then you get AJ Puck, Braxton Garrett, Kyle Contrill, Matt Manning, and Zach Collins. <laughs> like, yeah, Matt Manning might still be a guy. He, he just still, do a combined no yeah. hitter. He's He's got stuff. Yeah. Braxton Garrett is actually looking pretty good right now. We he's, saw he's him. with the Marlins, yeah. right? Yeah, he's, so he's there might still be some yeah. things that pop from there. But point being, like, I bet if we did look at, you know, 2020 or, or 2021 draft, there's a lot more recognizable names that are even starting to have a impact now. But uh, anyway, we're going to talk about the draft here in a minute. I did want to touch on the uh, the home run derby in the All Star game. Um, yeah. What were your uh, What were your thoughts on it this year? I mean, the Derby has just turned into such an event that I legitimately look forward to. Um, yeah. And the All Star Game has kind of gone the opposite way for me. Uh, but I love yeah. this. I love the the format of the Derby. I love the timing of it. I think it's an absolute blast. I love that the players seem to love it and the players that are participating legitimately want to win. I mean, (laughs) when Pete Alonso gets knocked out in the first round of the home run derby, I'm like worried. I I feel like we need to do a check-in on him. Like he, he takes it so seriously and he cares so much. I worry that, that uh, doofus. Yeah. Yeah. I worry that he's not going to be okay when he gets bounced out like that. And then you seeing Vladdy win was a blast. Julio Rodriguez's performance was, was really fun. That was, I thought the, yeah. the, the three uh, Cuban players um, enjoying being around each other. And obviously Randy or Rosarena and Adolis Garcia having their little friendship was fantastic. But then also like, you know, they're showing, showing Nolan Arenado. They're showing Shohei Otani. They're showing all these other superstars who are sitting like cross-legged on the grass, you know, craning their heads at every home run and everyone's into it. Um, I think it was uh, a Rosarena um, was uh, kind of carrying around his very cute daughter uh, in between rounds and, and did an interview with her. And I mean, it's it's a great event. I think there's legitimate competitive fire and athleticism um, while at the same time, Randy or Rosarena is going and getting his cowboy boots and setting them outside the batter's box. And uh, all this personality yeah. is happening. And it, it's great. I think it's I think it's a great showcase for the sport. Yeah, agree. One hundred percent. I had a great time watching it. I thought it was pretty wild that somehow Vladdy winning it was like the fourth most exciting thing or like the fourth most exciting storyline it felt like the broadcast had kind of even moved on from the excitement of Vladimir Guerrero Jr and was all about Randy Rosarena and like his vibe um, he, but uh, he stole I, the show besides just his uh actual performance on the field which was great he almost won the whole thing uh and, and then just the personality I, and I wonder, like, his personality essentially came out as soon as he was traded. I don't think the Cardinals were, like, tamping it down or anything like that. I think it was really just because he couldn't play. But he never ever got a since, shot to play. Right. Yeah. Ever, ever since he made that uh, initial run in the postseason and then his performance in the WBC. And anytime you see him on a big stage, he's just awesome. Like, he, yeah. 
he's doing everything. He he's got like the right level of cockiness and silliness to not come off as like a, a jerk, but still being like, I'm the man. Let's have fun. Yeah. Watch how far he, 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 this he went up and bowed to Vladdy after he lost. Or I don't know yeah. if that was a bow or like a it's like a submission, you know, but like, yeah, it was funny. And it was it was endearing because you're you know, you're immediately like, oh, he he's he gets it. He, you know, he yeah. was clearly wanted to win. Um, but when he didn't, he was immediately like, nice job, Vlad, you yeah. know, like, uh, which I thought was was really awesome. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I mean. It could be when he was with the Cardinals, besides not getting a chance to play that much. He just there's that like confidence boost to really be yourself. And then after that, uh, that run with the Rays where he was like the best player in baseball for that period of time, like that's certainly a confidence booster. And then that yeah. drive the personality side of it. Um, I watched the home run derby. I had my two kids who are basically six and three and they like baseball, but it's really hard to get them to like watch a game for more than a few minutes you know um and the beginning of the home run derby like it was a little bit of a test like they weren't particularly into it but once it got going uh and the kids on the field actually helped and particularly my six-year-old just like she stared at the she watched the whole thing and it was wow yeah it was one of the better like interactions with baseball that i've seen her have um, and she's playing now and into it, but like, it's hard to watch a game, you know? Um, but the home run derby, she enjoyed. And so it's like, well, when we talk about this as an ambassador for baseball, it's, uh, you know, there was at least anecdotally, but some like direct proof right there. Yeah. And I think like I've, I've made fun of the home run derby X a few times on this show. And I, I think it's, it's a, it's a fine idea, but really if you could transport, <laughs> the actual yeah. home run derby style event to other places, I think it would do a lot better. And I think, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to go to the one that happened at Coors Field. And as a live event, I, I mean, Mary has said it multiple times. It's the best live sporting event that she's ever been to. Yeah. Um, and, and she's definitely a casual baseball fan. I think, uh, I think it's great. I think, uh, you know, does ESPN know how to cover it properly on television? Do they do a great job uh, yeah. of that? That's a whole other conversation. I would love to see somebody else get a chance at broadcasting it just because they, um, in, you know, they do the ESPN thing. They lose the thread all the time. But um, yeah. I, again, I think it's a great event. I, I do have. Yeah. So like a couple thoughts on that. Um, one, I th- it's really hard to broadcast these things just from a visual standpoint, but the rate, especially Randy or Rosarena, it, oh my got, God, like, yeah. it got impossible to actually track what was going on or not. The counters were behind. Yeah. Like I had no idea how many home runs he had. It didn't seem like anyone really knew how many home runs anyone had until it was all said and done. Um, I know there, there, or at least I understand there technically is a rule that they have to wait until the ball has landed to pitch another yeah, one. Yeah, that's was not, not happening in forest. Yep. Yeah. And I like, it was the rapid fire nature of it was kind of hilarious and awesome, but it, it, I, it probably is, would be better if they would find a way to, to really enforce that rule, which leads me to my second point. I don't think they would do this, but I think an improvement in this, uh, event would be to move to some sort of pitching machine. And that might feel weird at first, um, because I do like the narratives of like, Rosarina and his dad or yeah, the, uh, I think the or, whole you know, there's some gamesmanship and storyline like I, I like yeah. that aspect. 
Yeah, I do too, but maybe it was just last night. Maybe it's just the broadcast. Maybe just fix this from the broadcast standpoint. But like, it felt like the more of the broadcast discussion was about the uh, soft tossing old dudes mechanics and whether they were able to get the ball where the player wanted it than it was about the execution of hitting home runs. I mean, it was... This it is what I'm talking about when yeah. ESPN just misses the mark sometimes. Like, yeah, why? Like, we it is interesting to talk about the fact that Adley Rutschman's dad is throwing yeah. to him, and oh, look, he's going switch hitter now. He's going to go hit some balls right handed. It is awesome. not interesting to talk about. Oh, look at how this 60 year old man is clipping the top of the zone. Like, yeah, they the the players pick their guys. They pick them for a reason. And I think part of the interesting thing is like Adley Rutschman's dad has never thrown a pitch in front of 45,000 people. Let's see how he reacts. Um, yeah. And guess what? If he doesn't react well, that's OK, too. Let's have fun with it, because um, I could only imagine how I would perform in a similar situation. Um, but yeah, I yeah, guess like, an earlier fix than going full pitching machine would be to just say, hey, broadcast team. Just like in the playoffs, they give them guidance not to talk about missed called balls and strikes because they don't want uh, that to be the focus of the game during heavy, uh, you know, during high drama games. I would say, hey, guys, uh, stop talking about this old dude's mechanics and whether the player's getting the ball where they want it. Like, but there is also a reality to it. Like Pete Alonzo, like they got like the ball was off the plate like half the time. So it kind of felt like he wasn't well, even getting a real shot at winning because his pitcher was doing so bad. And so it's like, ah, I'd rather just see them all execute perfectly. And just whoever sucks the most dingers wins and not who also had the best old man throwing a uh, batting practice. Yeah. And I think there's a relevant story in there, right? The guy that he actually wanted to do it got sick and couldn't do it. Yeah. So they had to tag a guy. They never even got a chance to practice. That's Which relevant sucks. to talk about, but then you don't yeah. have to drill in and be like, this guy's really shit in the bed. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, right. But it also sucks. About- I want to, I want to see him sock dingers. You know, get the sure. be- get the get the best possible situation for them to hit home runs, and then just let them hit home runs. Sure, because uh, I mean, we'd probably get in like the forties and fifties on uh, like every round if it was like a perfectly placed ball every single oh, yeah. time. Like it'd be insane. You know? Yeah, I I, I get it. But I, I don't think the problem is we have few t- too few homers. Like, again, Julio hey. Rodriguez somehow. I don't even know how the time would allow it's, him to hit 41 bombs yeah. in three minutes or 330 or whatever it yeah. was. But uh, it's wild. Completely yeah. insane. Uh, one last thing. Uh, Mookie Betts basically just getting up there being like, hey, I didn't really want to do this, but I'm here. I'm not even going to call my timeout. They asked him after the fact why he didn't call his timeout, and he said it wouldn't have helped. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. I, I love Mookie yeah. Betts. It's it's like, yeah, he's, you know, he didn't stand I, a, sh- a chance against these, like, no. monsters in the, even though he's one of the better home run hitters in the league, it's a totally different thing right. than the home yeah, run derby. I I'm larger than him, um, which, and I, I do think it comes down to the beef boys are going to, are going to prevail yeah. in the home run derby. That's just the way that it, it is. Like when you're seeing a guy built like Julio Rodriguez get tired, you know that it is an exhausting. It's event. exhausting. Yeah. Um, I would love to see that teams. Point, yeah. I, I would love to see teams do like a, their own, like intramural, 
home run derby, uh, you know, just like sprinkle it into the middle of the season somehow or, or end oh, yeah. of season or something like that. Like take the format and, and do it at Bush with, uh, you know, the lineup and just see how it goes. Like, yeah, yeah. sure. You know, uh, Edmund's going to get smoked, but whatever. It'll still be fun. I think I, I think that'd be a blast. I would absolutely show up early for that. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all I was going to say was, uh, to the Mookie bets point and kind of his little post game or post derby interview and his, his in-game interview in the all-star game and everything like that. I just love that he is embracing his superstar status. Finally, like he's, yeah, I feel like he's kind of letting his personality and being the face of baseball a little bit more. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I love Mookie Betts, one of my favorite players in baseball. Um, I, I, everything about him, his uh, yeah. the way he plays, the uh, just everything. Yeah, he's he's the best. So more yeah. Mookie is is good, even if it's him getting trounced in the derby. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't watch the full All Star game. I kind of feel the same way for whatever reason. It's just kind of boring. It's weird yeah. to say that where it's like it is the best of the best and. And I don't really have a good solution for it either. Um, so I, I don't know. I know there's a lot of talk about it out there. And and I like that it exists. Um, and, you know, we say we want the game to matter. But when it did have matter, we're like, no, not like that, though. So, you know, I don't know yeah. what the what the solution is. But um, it's a cool honor thing for the for the players. It does mean a lot. Uh, did you see that Arenado? Uh, apparently they have a uh, like an internal uh thing around best dressed did you see that going oh, around where he was no, a finalist for best dressed he's looking <laughs> great he had this like yeah. cool um his dad is cuban and he was going with the like cuban uh like uh I, you know um i like i think of scarface when they're down at that resort and they're all sure. wearing those like white suits and leisure and, suit and type vibe. And yeah hat yeah and big sunglasses yeah um, you know, cabana wear one might call yeah, it cabana. Wear. Yeah. He was decked out in that yeah. and someone was interviewing him and showing him his earlier all-star break, all-star games. And he was coming in like jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, he's a, uh, almost a half billionaire. He can, uh, you know, do whatever the hell he, he wants. Can, he can wear a nice suit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, my solution would be there There needs to be some level of stakes to the all-star game. Maybe a million bucks goes to the charity of the winning team's choice or something like that. Um, yeah. And I don't think you're really going to fix it until you make the agreement that you're going to play the best players for nine innings and treat it like a real game. I think you can still swap the pitchers out uh, like after two or three innings or something like that. But if everyone's like Mike Trout needs to be playing center field the entire time. Um, yeah. Shohei Otani needs to be DHing the entire time. Nolan Your boy Arenado, Elias Diaz needs to be the starting catcher. Uh, tell you what, you know. he's had a great year. Um, <laughs> that is Mary's favorite Rocky player since some of the other favorites have left. Um, we had a really fun interaction. We were sitting by his wife and daughter uh, a couple of years ago in the stands. So, and we just kind of fell in love with their family. What a, I well, think it was what, the, what a moment. What a moment last night. I think it was the most like I, I uh, Mary and I were getting cocktails last night and I told her that that happened and she was, I think, legitimately excited for a baseball update in yeah. the middle of uh, nice. our date. But uh, very happy for him. He's great. Great human. He's a fine baseball player on a hot streak. So that's like <laughs> the, the coolest thing to happen. I think he's what? he was probably one of the lowest paid guys in both locker rooms. And yeah. for him to have a moment like that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
What's your uh, what's your cocktail of choice? Man, I'll tell you what. We were at this really fancy place last night that has all these complicated cocktails. I couldn't begin mm-hmm. to uh, explain, but uh, the thing I was drinking last night had a uh, it was a cilantro infused gin, um, mm. and it was kind of like a spicy margarita that, but uh, with cilantro infused gin, it was fantastic. That sounds great. I am a yeah. huge cilantro fan. Cilantro might be my favorite herb. Uh, so a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cilantro infused gin margarita sounds fantastic oh, so um, good. let's talk about the cardinals so yep. uh i think we we're, we've moved past speculation john mazalak has all but confirmed the cardinals are indeed selling now yep. we've made the point many people have made the point there's a big difference between selling and rebuilding um mazalak has been unwilling to really lay down what the broader plans are, which of course that's part of his part of the whole deal is keeping that stuff close to your chest. Um, but he said uh, on a recent interview, um, I listened to it on the Killcoin conversation, which is a podcast uh, with Martin Kilcoin. He interviewed uh, John Mazalek and uh, Martin Kilcoin made the comparison to when Doug Armstrong for the, uh, St. Louis Blues um, came out and said, like, we are rebuilding. We are going to trade O'Reilly. We're going to, tra-. you know, he was like, he was very, very upfront and very clear about their intentions. He asked Mazalek if they, if he would do the same. And Mazalek uh, returned saying, we are going to trade people. Yeah. But who it is, is it, uh, will it be a household name or will it be something else? I'm unable to say right now. And he probably truly can't say right now. You know, it's still, I'm sure these trade conversations are already happening, but just the way the, the league works, the way the system works, most of these deals won't happen until the week leading up to the trade deadline. If not like hours or minutes before the trade deadline, uh, which is August 1st. Um, But again, the Cardinals have essentially confirmed that they're selling Uh, He also said that they think the players are more valuable than the pick that they would get from a qualifying offer. So it really implied that they are going to be looking to move their uh, free agents, their upcoming free agents. He said, we're not going to give players away, of course. um, But, you know, it it really was about as clear as John Mazalek will be um, (laughs) when saying like, we're we're selling people. So yeah. I think when it comes to qualifying offer, I do think assuming like I think Flaherty's track record, even though it hasn't been great for the last couple of years, but his ceiling and his last few starts have probably given him enough to say, like, yeah, he's probably worth more than a qualifying offer. Uh I think Jordan Hicks would absolutely uh turn down a qualifying offer. I wonder about Paul DeYoung. I think if you offered Paul DeYoung nineteen million dollars on a one year deal, he's he's <laughs> He's grabbing that in a heartbeat. There's no <laughs> way you offer him that deal. There's no yeah. way. So I bet that I'm sure they're going to try to uh, to move him as well and get something from it. Um, yeah. I don't know what you get for Stratton. You know, maybe you can package him with Jordan Hicks or with yeah, Montgomery. That makes sense. And, like how we got him in the first place with uh, being thrown into the uh, Quintana deal. Um, but it's an interesting time as a Cardinal fan. We have not really gone through this 
uh, not in a long time, not in the Mazalek and, and not in the Mazalek regime. We have right. not seen the Cardinals as sellers, like full on sellers. Um, so obviously we don't like to be here. Uh, no one wanted this, but from a purely like intriguing baseball fan situation, like this can be a lot of fun. You know, yep. we've seen some teams pull off some really cool things and really improve their team in the future uh, with with these sorts of moments. And so, uh, yeah, I, I've been talking for a minute. What are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if pretty much everything is on the table right now. Uh, yeah. If the Yankees call you up and they offer you um, a, a package that will allow you to almost reset your farm system <laughs> to a certain degree. Uh, Nolan Arenado is going to move out. Um, Yankees and Phillies uh, really mm-hmm. need third base help. Uh, they're two teams that can take on the money easily. Um, and, and I think that's what something that Cardinal fans should be prepared for. I don't think that they will get the uh, Arenado will get traded. Um, I don't think the Cardinals want to trade him, but he is the type of player um, on the type of deal and the Cardinals have an obvious solution at third base in Nolan Gorman to take over immediately that if a team calls and makes a crazy offer, he's probably gone. Um, yeah. I think Goldie's or, uh, even Jordan less Walker, likely. By the, Jordan Walker, by Sorry. the way, at third. Uh, Jordan Walker at third. Now, yeah. you know, it, we haven't it could seen be Jordan do Walker. Yeah. Could be Gorman. Um, I mean, having Gorman and Walker in on the uh, infield would be uh, pretty exciting. And then Mason Wynn coming up and playing short. I mean, that's a, a really exciting potential infield mix there. Um, all that being said, I don't think Arenado is going to be traded, but I yeah. do think that it is a possibility. Um, and then when you talk about the guys with the uh, potential for qualifying offers, I agree. All of those guys make sense to move. Um, and I fully agree with Mosellock's evaluation that their potential pick for leaving uh, is not going to outvalue their in-season trade uh, uh, value that I think is coming up because there are so many teams that could benefit from pitching. And uh, I mean, go right back to the Phillies. I think the Phillies are a, a really good partner uh, to trade with the Cardinals as far as what we would get from them. I do wonder if you make a competitive enough package, if you can pry Andrew Painter out of the Phillies hands, so, you know, uh, I can't uh, imagine I cannot imagine that is the type of guy that no one is trading, but I know yeah. he's, he's injured Jordan Montgomery, yeah. another young player. I mean, there, there's a package that exists that gets you Andrew Painter. Yeah. Um, the now, one I've seen that is more, I think more likely is Mick Abel, who is, yeah. uh, not nearly I, like Andrew Painter's ceiling is like the best pitcher in baseball, you know? So, uh, Mick Abel has had health issues. He's had all a number of things, but yeah. he does, he is considered to have a, a really high ceiling as well, but there's just enough in there that you can see a team moving him. Um, uh, yeah. And I think that would be great too. Cause I think if I, I was reading about him the other day and the guy's fastball is like, uh, you know, fairly legendary. He, he should, yeah, he should be really good there, but it, it, you know, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect and he right. fits right into that mold of like, he could end up in the bullpen or not even in the league. If, if some yeah. of his tendencies continue. Um, I, I also think, so I think those, those potential qualifying offer guys and the pitcher pitchers make a lot of sense. Jordan Hicks is 
as slam dunky as it gets to me of, of going and getting something and, and any team in baseball that's competitive this year slots him at the back of the bullpen yeah. and immediately you're, you're upgraded. Uh, but I also, I, I am hopeful that the Cardinals will diversify their talent. And I think that I'm going to say Paul DeYoung, Alec Burleson, Brendan Donovan, Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond, Juan Yepes, Lucan Baker. Those names, I think, should all be heavily considered to go acquire yes. yourself starting pitching talent, whether it be young uh, or or proven in the MLB or or whatever it might be. Those names, to me, have to be moved for pitching. Either I would love to do it at the trading deadline because I think you can find teams who are maybe a little more desperate. Sometimes you can get a little bit more, uh, you know, but a team that is pitching rich that needs some offense, making a package like that where you get control for control, I think has to be a priority for the Cardinals. Yeah. I, I think Brendan Donovan is your real chip in there. I hate, I'd hate to see it happen, but it does make sense. Um, he's currently almost at two F four, putting him on base for, uh, you know, back to back near four F four seasons in his first two years in the league. Uh, and so like, that's incredibly valuable. Um, and that's the sort of stuff you have to trade in order to get good other players. Like I've seen a lot of people. The Cardinals problem is not the offense. You have to trade good offensive players. to go get pitching. You have to, you got to trade talent. You got to trade talent to get talent. I think that, uh, and we've seen this a lot on on Twitter and everyone has their own opinions and whatnot. But like, um, yes, the Cardinals have pulled off two of the most lopsided trades in the history <laughs> of baseball. Yeah. But that is not how it normally works. Normal. Right. You make a big trade and you expect to see those guys go and be really good for that team later. And you'd be sad about it because, yeah, they could have been Cardinals. But you had to move talent to get talent. Now, obviously, some of these outcomes that we've been seeing and it was boy, was it showcased in uh, the all star game. You know, like sometimes the outcome is that talent you trade matures into something even better than anyone expected it to be. But like you have to trade talent to get talent. And so if we actually think we're going to go and get like a Logan Gilbert or a Brian Wu or, you know, guys of that level. Like, put yourself in the Cardinals' shoes. If we had Logan Gilbert on our team, what would we want for uh, to trade him? You'd want everything from that team's farm system, right? So um, we have to expect some of these. If the Cardinals are truly going to do what it sounds like they're going to try and do, which is use this trade deadline and possibly the offseason to remake the roster to some degree, not a rebuild, but like a retooling, we're going to lose some names that we are all big fans of or, or have yeah. seen um, have like everyone loves prospects. Right. So I think you and I have both talked about Alec Burleson and what like, boy, what Alec Burleson could be at the major league level. And he might go do that, but it might be with the Mariners or it might yeah. be with the Phillies or something like that. Um, well, and I think to, to your point though, like the Cardinals are in a good spot because Brendan Donovan has a major league track record. Um, yeah, Dylan that's what Carlson makes him valuable. Has, uh, yeah, yeah, like that's why yeah, you can yeah. trade those guys. <laughs> exactly. And, and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's why Luke and Baker's on the big league club right now too, to kind of show off his wares, um, you know, on the, on the highest level. Um, but yeah, you know, I, 
Another point I want to make about this is that I do believe that a Cardinals offense that is centered around, obviously, Goldie and Arenado, uh, Wilson, uh, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, and Large Newtbar, and then fill in the rest. That should be enough. That's still a very good offense. You don't need 12 guys contributing. And I actually think that there might even be a benefit to just sending Lars out to center every single day, sending yeah. uh, whatever you're left out, uh, you know, having Gorman be at second base almost every day. Same for all the other guys I just mentioned. I think a little stability. And again, it, but it really comes down to diversifying talent. But I think like, I feel like that's lost in it a little bit is like, this is still an offensive club that can, yeah. that can go in and beat people up. Um, you just can't <laughs> outscore somebody eight to nine every single night, even like, so, you know, at least to my eyes, Jordan Walker seems to be, you know, making that next step. He still has launch angle could still have some improvement. His ground ball rate could still have some improvement, but he's 21 years old and he's kind of crushing the ball at the major yeah. league level. Like even just an aging Goldie Arenado and Walker can be a core of a, of a solid yeah. team. And also we see the Cardinals consistently able to produce average to slightly above average offensive players. That's not the Cardinals problem for all, for everyone that we trade in this deadline, there'll be eight more dudes uh, that are going to fill exactly this sort of profile coming up right after they just drafted so many college level outfielders. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, we'll be fine. I think that is such a great point to make. What like look at what the the way that the Guardians handle their business. What do they do? They can develop starting pitching better than pretty much every other team in the league. What do they do? They trade that starting pitching when the time is right, and then they go get a uh, Andres Jimenez, a an Ahmed Rosario, uh, whoever to fill in their other gaps. Uh, uh, Josh Naylor uh, mm-hmm. years ago at this point. Um, but the Cardinals have shown that they have a proven ability to grow position players. Great. Now go trade those guys for the thing that you can't build internally. Yeah. And then hopefully you look up Tink Hens pops. Uh, you get a couple of guys supplementing that rotation and you have a well-balanced team. You don't need to f- don't fight the water. If the water is right. going this way, lean into it and just use it to your advantage. Um, I do Which, think. Sorry. To be fair, I, that is what the Cardinals were trying to do when they traded Randy Rosarena for Matt Liberatore. <laughs> Matt yeah. Liberatore was a top 10 pitching prospect and kind of considered like untouchable by many people in the league. And the Cardinals went and got him. It yeah. cost them Randy Rosarena, but you got to trade talent to get talent. Now right. that and, and also Liberatore was two years oh, like further away from the MLB than Rosarena, too. So anyway. I mean, go and on. that just makes me think like the Cardinals need to go get somebody who's have major league service time. Like, so the Cardinals yeah, player like right development now. can't screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the the like the Seattle guys is I think why a lot of people are looking at that direction, too, is like, all right, Seattle developed them. Yeah, we just need them on our team now. We cannot right. we don't even it can't even be where we need to put the finishing touches on them. They just need to be ready for the majors. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I mean, it's the deadline is in less than three weeks, so this is all going to be resolved pretty quickly. It's going to be crazy. I think this is going to be a very exciting three weeks. I'm I'm excited for the first kind of ball to drop for the first. I think the first trade that happens is going to signal a lot to us. Yeah. Although, no, it'll probably be like 
Chris Stratton for cash cash considerations <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, not the first trade, but yeah. the the second trade will be the the big you know defining moment. But yeah, I, I think um, Mazalek has shown the willingness and the ability to do the big move. We just haven't seen it in this direction before. Yeah. So yeah. Um. I, yeah. I guess one little other thing to say. I'd be curious. The Dodgers need some position player help. They yeah. have a lot of starting pitching prospects. That's another path I'd like them to to explore. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, DeYoung to the Dodgers has been a constant conversation. Um, I, I mean, at first not, it was kind of a joke, but now it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but you're not getting it. It'd have to be DeYoung plus to really yeah. get the level of player. But even like DeYoung for a couple, a single A or a double A just to like start to build that farm although we were just joking that we don't really want the cardinals to acquire young (laughs) pitch so i don't know i don't know um all right let's talk about the draft uh i kind of mentioned it already but um this was a a college and outfield heavy draft um we are not necessarily draft experts here we're gonna just touch on a few of the big names from the draft but as the as this continues to develop and as we have more time to talk about it, I think we'll touch on more people from the draft. But um, yep. it's an interesting approach this year. I think uh, in previous years, we'd seen uh, the Cardinals make actually a willingness to to dip down into high school. And, and the famous 2020 draft was a ton of high school players. Uh, and it obviously so far seems to be working really well for the Cardinals this year. Looks like they went for a uh, a more mature, developed uh, player. Um, but generally speaking, teams just go for who is the best player available. I don't think that necessarily the Cardinals went in saying we want more college players this year than years previously. I think you're going in and saying what's best available with yeah. what we have. And it happens to line up that way. Cause I think, you know, you can see a lot of people saying like, Oh, the Cardinals need pitching. Why do we draft all these outfielders? But <laughs> you still like, the draft is is still, even though, as you mentioned earlier, it is far more refined than it's ever been. You're often p- picking these guys for years down the road and you really don't know. So you're drafting off of talent and you're just hoping any of these guys pop and make it to the majors. And then you're, you deal with your roster as as it evolves. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, first, the first pick, do you want to you want to jump right in? Pick number 21 to the St. Louis Cardinals, Chase Davis, outfielder from Arizona. Um, yeah. Was that good? It was Did I do better than Madfred? Uh, uh, low bar. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, I, hold on. Uh, wait, do it again. You be Manfred. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to, I don't have a Manfred impression that I'm about to whip out here, but that hey, was good everyone. Enough. It's me, Manfred. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know what he real. I, I think that's what he sounds like to me. Uh, he, he's like a little more Brooklyn, a little more hey, Brooklyn nerd. Hey, what, it's time to draft. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I think I'm offended by that for some reason. Um, I don't know, Chase he just Davis. Seems snivel- sniveling is the yes, kind of sniveling. approach. I, yeah. Um, Chase Davis, a player that the Cardinals were linked to back in 2020. They almost drafted him out of high school, but because of the... Uh, the considerably limited draft in 2020, they d- had to go a different route. And now uh, they got their guy. This is, I think, if you followed most reporting, this is who a lot of people thought the Cardinals were going to take. There were some questions on whether he would drop or not. Uh, and he did. So yep. um, 
why don't you give us kind of a like a, a rundown on 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 the quick scouting report? So yeah, speak, uh, on Chase Davis. So Baseball America is giving him an overall grade of 55, which is above average uh, as far as how he'll develop into a major league player. His hit tool is a 50. His power tool is a nice 60. Run mm-hmm. 55, field 55, and arm 70. So we're talking... And remember, as, this is the 2080 grade, if you're not tw- familiar. Tw- yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so a couple of poppy skills, the, the arm, and it sounds like defense, there's a chance... Uh, that he could stick in center field. He's quick. He's a left-handed hitter. Um, and if you were paying attention to all uh, the the draft day, all of the comparisons went directly to Cargo, uh, former Colorado Rocky yeah. All Star. Um, and and I they they are friends now apparently because of the comparisons. They they're texting each other. They're they're buddies. Um, the swing looks identical to Cargo to me. Uh, I, I saw it described as a buggy whip swing a handful of times, <laughs> yeah. um, but the swing looks clean. Um, he's a big, strong kid. Uh, I, I think it's hard not to be really excited about this. I think the only thing that you really worry about is probably a lot of strikeouts, um, but hyper athletic, uh, obviously young, talented. I, I think uh, it's easy to get really, really excited about this guy especially with how the Cardinals have shown to develop left-handed hitters over the past 10 years or so. It, it seems like a great fit. Um, and it also seems like somebody who will rise really, really quickly. Like we could see this guy in the big leagues late next year or uh, early the year after that, because he is, he's 21. He's polished. Um, yeah. I mean, everything you want yeah. in a first rounder. And, and it, it sounds like a lot of fun to me. So a uh, a dynasty fantasy baseball writer that I really like, his name is Michael Halpern. I've I've mentioned it a couple of times on this show. Um, he was ranking the first year, this, this draft based off of strictly offense, which is all that matters for fantasy. Um, and he put him as the eighth best player from this draft for yeah. uh, for like offensive potential output. I'm, I'll read a little bit of his blurb because I thought it was pretty interesting said selected 21st overall davis is a smooth operator who is a lefty power hitting beast i can honestly watch him crush homers all day the swing is reminiscent of george valera and it's led to 21 homers in 57 pac 12 games this year he's not a particularly huge guy at 6-1 but he's a muscled up 216 pounds and the power is legit with high exit velocities the swing is also very athletic which should give him the potential to hit for average two and he improved his hit tool this year a 300 uh 362 batting average with a 40 43 kbb after struggling with swing and miss in the past so basically a guy who's shown the ability to improve hit the ball hard for average and uh, has a good plate discipline as well like Anytime I hear something like that, I I, uh, hear the height and weight. I'm 6'2", about 215. And man, me and Chase Davis do not look alike at all. (laughs) It's a different package there. So uh, good for you, Chase Davis. He's uh, he's in the more of the uh, Tyler O'Neill school of 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 muscle bound. (laughs) (laughs) Not the uh, the podcaster uh, body type. Yeah, I'll be interested to see. Where, <laughs> I'll be interested to see where he slots in on the Cardinals' overall prospect ranking. I suspect that he will end up pretty high. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's immediately in the top ten, if not in the top five. I think oh, you're yeah, looking at three Mason, or four. Yeah, yeah, uh, Mason Wynn, Tinkins, 
and then it could you could put Chase Davis right there. Uh, yeah, which again adds that that depth when we say like trade all of Burleson, Yepes, Edmund, all of them because we still you know we we've just filled the the minors with more tooled up uh, young hitters, and you know we need those other guys to be swapped out for someone else. So it's yeah. a fun first round pick. Um, you know when you're picking that low in the first round, uh, you know you're never getting the like the the sure things the locks for you know not that there really is such a thing but like there's a pretty big difference between like even the top ten and then the next fifteen. Um, yeah. But as far I, I as this draft, so- the, even the the top five was yeah. super super special. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the first overall later, but um, the uh, it is still you know I it's I think it's an exciting pick, and I yep. like you said I think we'll see him in the majors. Uh, I think it's a pretty classic, probably September call up next year and playing for a big league spot in 2025. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, pick number two for the Cardinals is pick number 90 overall. A uh, great name, Travis Honeyman. Uh, <laughs> Honeyman. I, Honeyman. Couldn't love it more. Is he a bear? Um, is it like, is he like, he is, you think he's a bear? <laughs> no. <laughs> he is uh outfielder from Boston College. <laughs> Uh, he's got overall uh, future grade of 50, uh, hit tool of 50, power 50, run 55, field 50, and arm 50. Um, so that's average or above average at all. And the, the write-up that I was reading on Baseball America is essentially comparing him to Harrison Bader with uh, if, if Bader's got a little more power over hit, uh, Travis has got a little more hit over power. Um, so hmm. this is a potential center fielder, a uh, good glove man, um, should develop into a, 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 a st- sorry, should stick at center field and have a, a high average bat. So another, I think, exciting pick. This is another guy that could probably move really, really fast. Um, uh, maybe on the same timeline as Chase Davis, depending on what exactly you want from his bat. I also could see the Cardinals drafting a guy like this and asking him to add power to his game. Um, but we'll see. You know, Mike Antico and uh, Victor Scott, too, are are working their way up the minors fairly quickly. So uh, maybe, maybe it's in that same line of thought. Yeah. You know, and I think like we were all big fans of Harrison Bader, but his sort of all out approach at, at the plate was also like so frustrating because it was always like, you're so good at defense. We just need you to do something consistently at the plate and um, you'll be, one of the best players in baseball. So I think we all would have traded some of Harrison Bader's uh, extreme loft on his swing and, and <laughs> uh, his, his all out played approach for a little bit of batting average. I think we all would have taken um, with that speed on the base paths too. So I I'm here for a, uh, a better approach Harrison Bader. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the last pick we want to cover today, uh, pick overall, uh, 122, third pick for the Cardinals, Quinn Matthews, pitcher out of Stanford, uh, overall grade of 45, tools, or uh, his fastball is a 50, slider a 50, curveball a 40, and changeup is a 60. This guy uh, should stick around as a starting pitcher. Um, but again, you know, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. We'll see what happens with him. Yeah. Uh, and again, obviously, another college player. Hopefully a mid back rotation kind of guy, which you don't dream on. But if this year has proven anything like you need 
a lot of those. Uh, and so I think we'd all be pretty happy with another back into the rotation guy ready for the Cardinals uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. And, and you know, we give uh, the Cardinals a lot of trouble for their inability to develop pitching, but something that they have done is add velo to guys. Uh, Quinn Matthews is six, five, one eighty eight. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts on a little more weight here over the next 12 months, adds a little more velo to the fastball. Um, and that changeup gets even better and better. So, you know, we'll see. He he's obviously young and big, so you can dream yeah. on him a little bit. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Young and big. Yep. That's, that's how we like him. That's the dr- that's the dream. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about the second half a little bit and uh, and and try to make a few predictions for what the uh, second half may bring. Um, but before we do that, we want to remind everybody that this show is listener supported on Patreon. If you've enjoyed the show, if maybe it's brought you a little bit of joy during a frustrating and disappointing season, consider supporting the show directly on Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash/talkingaboutbirds. The money goes to supporting and expanding the show, helping us cover the costs uh, and improve the show where we can. So uh, we appreciate all of our patrons that are there now, and we look forward to chatting with those of you who may join in the future. Patrons of any level get access to our private Discord server. It's the Bird Score. Tweet, tweet, baby. We're having a great time in there uh, talking about anything and everything. But at the end of the day, it's just a nice space to go to get away from the other now the rapidly expanding amounts of social media sites um you know the people in there good people uh i really love the little community that we've been that we've been growing so uh again patreon.com slash talking about birds uh also if you want to support the show um consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform that also helps uh, ben, where can people find us online elsewhere? Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds while Twitter still exists. Uh, we're on Instagram at Talking About Birds. Uh, we're on Spotify. So if you prefer to listen to your podcast on Spotify, find us over there. Uh, we got a TikTok. Check us out on TikTok. We love a TikTok. It's going over like gangbusters, Nate. We got. We lo- love a TikTok pokes we got views we got little uh, hearts little hearts are flying around oh man we know how this stuff works tiktok (laughs) uh you can email us any questions thoughts criticisms jabs uh threats to talk about birds at gmail.com um and of course you can find all of that information simply at talkaboutbirds.com again that is talkaboutbirds.com All right. Before we go into the second half discussion, um, there was an interesting tweet on the Twitter that I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, It came from at STS underscore baseball, and it is uh, best defense at converting outs on balls hit in air to outfield. So what team has uh, the best ability to turn balls hit into the outfield into outs? Uh, the worst team in baseball at turning balls is it, into the Who outfield is it? in two outs. Well, Ben, it's your St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> no, not mine. <laughs> You're the reason. Damn it. Uh, yeah, rough, rough thing to see. 
Um, I think there's a number of reasons that we are there. Uh, I want to run the rest of the teams that are at the bottom five, though, because that's also interesting. Uh, Pirates, 26. Giants, 27. Rockies, 28. Marlins, 29. And then the Cardinals at 30th. So outside of the uh, the Marlins and the Giants, we're looking at some of the some some rough teams down there at the bottom. Um, so why are we the worst at c- making outs in the outfield? I think there's two primary <laughs> reasons. One, our outfielders are not particularly good at playing outfield. We've had yeah, Jordan that's, Walker that's out one there. one with a bullet. Yeah. 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 We just have bad outfielders. So that's, I mean, that 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 is... First and foremost, that's that's it, right? Um, jo- between Jordan Walker and Alec Burleson or Juan Yapez, um, you know, we're just we're putting big dudes out there for their bats and just letting the rest fall where it may. Uh, our better defensive players have been hurt or ineffective. Um, I mean, yeah, Tommy Edmond has yeah. been one of the better outfielders this year, and he is our second baseman. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Alec Burleson uh, leads in appearances in left field. Lars Newbar leads in appearances in center field. Those guys are both playing. Uh, well, Burleson's not playing out of position. He's just not that good in the field. And Lars is playing out of position. Yeah. Um, and yeah, not to mention like Lars is a good defender, but he's been hurt. Uh, yeah, Dylan Carlson is a good defender, but he's been hurt. Tyler O'Neill is a great defender, but he's been hurt. Right. Uh, Jordan Walker, not a good defender in the outfield, but you know, no. he's your superstar young guy. So, you know, you should be able to have a guy like that out there and get by. But when the rest of your outfield is pretty bad, uh, it leads to numbers like this. Then the second thing that I think, while not as significant as just having bad outfielders, uh, we've had bad pitching that have been giving up hard hit balls. And the hardest thing to turn into outs in the outfield are hard hit balls. Uh, so bad combo, uh, <laughs> that, you know, you're getting balls rocketed out to the outfield and then you've got guys who are not particularly good at catching those balls. Uh, and there we go. We're, uh, I mean, it's hard to frame it as anything other than worst outfield in baseball. I mean, ultimately, uh, outfield's primary objective is to catch balls that are hit into the outfield. Obviously they have a bunch of other, like, smaller responsibilities around fielding balls that they couldn't catch in the first place, things like that. But like, I'd say your first responsibility is to catch the ones that can be caught and uh, we're the worst at it. Um, So I, you know, not that we really need to point towards more reasons why this season has been bad. um, But I think, you know, that is a really interesting one. And also hopefully arguably one of the more easy ones to improve uh, with some roster shakeup. And just some health, you know, Tyler yeah. O'Neill coming back. Suddenly that, you know, Tyler O'Neill left and Carlson in center, like overnight, we all, we now have a good outfield again, you know? Um, yeah. Even with Walker in right field. Yeah. Uh, and then, then you're just finding ABs for, for Newt maybe in center field and, and uh, really in all three positions, I guess. Um, but yeah, like yeah. W- we know Walker's not going to be great. He's playing out of position. He's known this position for like under a year at this point still. So you kind of have to take some of the good with some of the bad. And I also think that he'll get better. Um, he's such an athlete. He's fast. He's yeah. got a great arm. He'll figure it out. But 
it's really hard <laughs> to learn this yeah. at the big leagues. Um, and I think he's doing a fine job. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you made a point as we were kind of prepping for the show that uh, something that really stands out too is that all of these other teams or most of these other teams are known for having gigantic outfields, uh, yeah. which also makes it particularly difficult, but the Cardinals don't have, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's slightly bigger than let's say the average, but it is not necessarily a course field, which is massive. Right. Uh, well, that, I mean, like, there's a forest growing in, in uh, <laughs> the Rockies outfield. Yeah. You know also, what I mean? The, so the pirates have a big outfield with weird angles. Yeah. The Giants have a big outfield with weird angles. The Rockies have the biggest outfield and the Marlins have a big outfield. Um, and then the Cardinals, which it's pretty <laughs> much a cookie a... cutter shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just have yeah. a bad, bad offense or bad defense and bad pitching. That's yeah. why we're the worst. Yay. Yay. So I don't know. Just thought I, w- I wanted to talk through that. So, uh, Ben and I thought it might be fun to try to make a few predictions for what would happen in the second half. Um, so let's just run through those. Ben, why don't why don't we go? Uh, we'll go back and forth here. OK, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what we came up with. And, and I'll admit these are varying levels of boldness. So, you know. Yeah. I uh, e- Email me at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com if you think I'm not being bold enough. Uh, all right. My first prediction. Uh, the Despite trading off key players, the Cardinals will have a record above 500 in the second half. That is pretty bold. It's hard to imagine how we improve even to an above 500 team. But uh, I, you know what? We're a positive well, podcast. Well, and I, wait, wait, wait. I, I want to be so clear. Too. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that they're going to have above 500 record overall. The, I'm saying the right, record right. of this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. The, the yeah. last... 75 games or whatever we will have an above 500 record correct um, yes yeah okay cool uh getting to 500 I, I, seems like climbing mount everest right now i don't think it's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> um they uh yeah i mean i hope so that'd be cool um we've talked about how trading off half this team might actually improve the record so uh we'll see um, here's my bold prediction. Even though I think he is a likely trade candidate, I'm going to say that Dylan Carlson leads the team, uh, leads the outfield in war in the second wow. half. Wow. Wow. Okay. Huge. My thought, it, my thought is, uh, he, I don't know if you've been paying attention or noticed, but he's had a really strong plate approach over the last month. It's mostly being reflected in walks. Um, but I think that leads to good things and I think he's retaking the center field, uh, job. So his defense at center field and his plate approach are going to result in a higher war. Um, I don't think there's a ton of competition for it. I think, <laughs> uh, Walker's defense is going to hold him back Walker will, uh, I'm going to talk about Walker in a little bit, but Walker will out hit him, but yeah. I think Carlson playing center will, uh, will lead to the most, uh, war. So. All right. I like it. We like walks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my next prediction is Jordan Walker related. Uh, and I'm going to say that Jordan Walker hits 25 homers before the end of the season. I love that. What What's he at right now? Seven or eight? So he needs he's at he's at eight right now. OK, he needs 17 in the next 75 games or so. 
Yep. I think, he, I think he's going to go on a Hell homer yeah. streak. I think he's going to find his stroke, uh, especially with the hot uh, weather coming up here. I think he's going to start launching balls, launching them over the wall. Tell you what, it is hot in St. Louis right now. <laughs> it's getting <laughs> real, real hot. So, um, yeah, we, we had a well, day yesterday that was like 90 and I was like, oh, no, thanks. So luckily it dipped back down to 70. It's a dry today. heat. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm, uh, I've been trying to like go running. I'm, I'm doing this half marathon in a few months and man, it sucks running in the heat. It's like, yeah, I, it, it sucks. Um, yeah, you right. suck. My, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it sucks when you're starting at shit. So, right. uh, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I'll just go to my Walker one. Um, I think if what you said happens, and this is a lock, um, I think Walker will get second in the rookie of the year voting. All right. I think at this point, it's kind of impossible for him. Not impossible, but is unrealistic for it to be anyone other than Corbin Carroll. Uh, he is in it. If it weren't for Ronald Acuna, Corbin Carroll would be an MVP. Fine. Yeah. Like consider, you know, he'd be considered for the MVP. Uh, yeah. But. I hope Corbin's shoulder's okay. Yeah, but he's... Little, little he's, guy that swings like that worries me. I, I really, really hope he doesn't swing himself into injured long, territory. Long run, for sure. That's part of why everyone's so hyped about Jordan Walker, too, is you can, like... Dude's huge, and he's 21, and you're like, he's only going to get bigger and stronger. Yeah. Um, you know, but also Mookie bets, so... Right. Um... But yeah, I think so. My mine is Walker gets second in rookie of year voting. All right. Love it. Um, my next bold prediction, Mason Wynn takes over shortstop before the end of the season. I hope so. Why at this point? Why not? Especially if they trade Paul DeYoung. Like, and yeah. if I don't know if you've been if you've been following it, but Wynn has really turned a corner uh offensively over the last month and a half or so. Um, he was struggling a little bit to start the year. And I think there was some concern that we were starting to look at a, like, you know, an elite defender, but not necessarily going to be very successful, uh, at the high end at the plate, uh, which, you know, is still a valuable player, but obviously we're all, we're all hoping for something different, but he's been looking really good, uh, at the dish down at triple a recently. So um, reviving some of that hope that he will be an, a superstar alongside Jordan Walker. Can't uh, wait for it. Yeah. It, we should be clear though. Like he doesn't project to be an offensive threat like Jordan Walker, no, but it's the no. superstar that is also an elite shortstop who can hit. Well, he's never going to be yeah. released. Well, he I doesn't we project can... to be a uh, elite offensive threat. We we compared him to Raphael for call uh, a, a while back yeah. on this show, and I I still think that that holds true, and I think that that is great. You have plus <laughs> yeah. arm, plus defender. He can pop a home run. He can steal bases. Um, he's contributing everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'd be very fortunate if Mason Wynn becomes uh, what Raphael for call was in his prime, or oh, even yeah. like. I mean, for call was effective into his thirties. It was only when yep. he really started slowing down, uh, because of his age that he became like, not awesome for calls forever. Going to be one of my favorite Cardinals of all time too. Yeah. Like that was, uh, he's the originator of happy flight. Like, happy flight. Yeah. The, yeah. It's some big hits. All right. It was fun. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, my next one. This is assuming some trades, but I'm I'm riding the hype of the of the last start. Then Steven Matz is the best starter on the Cardinals <laughs> in the second half. Oh, yeah, you know, um, he performed well. Climb. He looked he, good. He's, you know, uh, we've never really gotten the mats that we all want, but he he looked great in the bullpen. He looked good in his start. Flaherty's probably gone. Uh, Michaelis has been good, but, you know, has been kind of all over the place. Yeah. Wayno, who knows? Like, yeah, you know, what are, his competition is Michaelis, babe, basically, you know. Um, now the one thing is Michaelis will be a starter through the end of the year, no matter what Matt's could be bounced back to the right, uh, bullpen with only a bad start or two. So we'll see, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I think it's, he's going to be great and he's going to be part of the reason why the Cardinals have that above 500 record in the second half, like you're calling. And we at least go into, uh, next year with Matt's back in the rotation and he's one of they still got a lot of holes in the rotation, but yeah. we can at least pencil mats back into it with some uh, hopeful confidence. Yeah, you know, after watching his last start, it, it seemed like he just forgot that his fastball can play competitively in the yeah. in the zone, and then he yeah. started doing it and got nine strikeouts. Um, yeah, I, I hope you're right. That would be great. He definitely has the ceiling to do it. Um, yeah. it it's the reason all... he, between the ears. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hope he figures it out. All right. This is my last bold prediction. Um, and again, varying degrees of boldness. Uh, the Cardinals will trade for a young starting pitcher with health concerns. Hmm. Do you have a, is this Scoobal? This is Scoobal. I mean, I, you just yeah, want talked, Scoobal. I, I talked about Scoobal <laughs> so many times. I really want him. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I also like Matt Manning, although I don't think that they're going to trade Matt Manning. Um, yeah. Uh, I also will keep it in the in the Tigers. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still got a handful of years left on his deal. Um, the, in my opinion, the Tigers have absolutely no need for a strong number two right now. Uh, doesn't make sense for their team composition. Cardinals could eat that cash. Um, so all, all three of those guys, I think, would be great. Uh, there's a lot of other guys out there, but yeah, you know, I mean, I watched that Scoobell start the other day, and he's got 98 from the left side and a sweeping slider. I mean, I just, I just want him. <laughs> I, I'd buy that for a dollar. Oh, um, okay. I'd buy that for a Alec Burleson uh, and Brendan Donovan. Yeah, me too. Yeah, do it. How, how many years does he have left on his contract? Uh, I can he's look that probably up. While just you... enter, he's probably just entering into arbitration. Yeah. Or maybe in his second year of it. But, um, okay. My last one. And I agree. Scooble you know, is a free agent in 27. Okay, cool. So yeah, there'll be a lot of control. Um, all right. My last one again, varying degrees of bold. Liberator will end the season in the major league rotation. Wow. So bold. <laughs> I know it's going to be a Feels necessity. Bold. <laughs> Feels bold right now, doesn't it? it After it his does. last start. And, yeah. uh, you know, he did make it out of the first inning and it was just, it was just, it was bad. Felt yeah. bad, man. But, yeah, um, was. I, I'm still a believer. He's only 23. He'll figure it out. And there, and maybe it'll be out of necessity. Maybe it'll be to test for, you know, next year. But I think he ends the season in the rotation. Yeah, uh, I would be shocked if you're not right. 
Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll we'll we're writing these down. We'll check in on them at the end of the year. See how uh, see how we did. If we get any of these right, these are all generally very positive things. So uh, hopefully we get some of them correct. Um, I like being let's right. Let's talk. Yeah. Same. I'm well, I, and you know, I I'm never wrong. Never take an L. Um, we have a uh, series coming up to talk about. We have two series, in fact. Uh, the Cardinals are again playing the Nationals. Uh, we've talked about them a lot recently. <laughs> uh, so it's at home, um, which is nice. Uh, any new thoughts on the Nationals um, to discuss? They No, I mean, they are. We know them. We, we just saw them. Uh, they're not good. They have some young talent. Um, Josiah Gray was an all-star. Uh, Jaimir uh, Candelario was an all-star. Uh, he's, he's one of the bigger trade chips on the market. We'll see. Um, you said the Yankees need a third baseman. I think more likely than a blockbuster Arenado trade, uh, we see, uh, Candelario is, is sold by the, by the nationals. It's kind of best case scenario for them is they got this dude and he's popped off and I think we'll get them a pretty good return. Yeah, uh, Carl Edwards Jr. will probably be traded. Uh, they don't really have much else, but uh, maybe Dom Smith. No, probably not. He's not doing anything. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, they're they're a pretty bad team. The Cardinals should beat them. Um, not much yep. else to say. We just saw them. Yep. Uh, and then the Marlins, who we also just saw and we've been talking Please, about. Please just leave us alone, Marlins. <laughs> Go away. Yeah. <laughs> Let us die in peace over here yeah, in, in the skip, season of 2023. Get away, get away from us, Skip. The Marlins have a 53-39 and 39 record this year. Their Pythagorean record, which again is relevant to their run differential, is 45-47. and 47. So Yeah, skip, they're the, they're the is, inverse Cardinals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they, you know, I, I guess the one thing I do want to talk about with them is that they have demoted Yuri Perez, which is bad for baseball. Um, it seems like they're just trying to control his innings limits, keep him uh, kind of cooking uh, probably in one inning relief spots until they get closer to the end of the season to use his arm yeah. uh, for the playoff push. But I kind of hate it. I get it. I don't know. I'm I mean, torn on it. As a, yeah. As a Cardinals fan, I shouldn't criticize how another team handles their pitching prospects. <laughs> um, so they yeah. probably know what they're doing. I, I'm torn on it, you know, because like, yeah, you want your stars out there pitching. But if you do truly believe in the the pitch, you know, innings limit and controlling your young starters and, and all for the hope of uh reducing future injuries and like big picture, it's better for baseball. Yuri Perez missing a few starts in the middle of the summer of 2023 is uh, better than him missing half of 2024, you know? So uh, it just, it's a bummer when it happens. Um, Right. And if they're saving him for the playoffs, then it's good baseball. It's good for baseball because then we get to see Yuri Perez, uh, you know, in a, in a postseason game, which would be fun. Yeah. I mean, if, if the postseason starts tomorrow and you're the Marlins, your game one starters, Yuri Perez, right? Probably. I mean, they've got, you know, Braxton Garrett's looked really good. We talked about him earlier. Um, they've got options, but you probably just throw the young guy out there and be like, 
big dog eat. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, uh, is that I, you I trying to be it. like a bro I, right there? What just I, happened? I was trying. I don't know. I don't know. God. I, I felt like I needed to say it and I couldn't commit to a moment. <laughs> God. You suck. <laughs> That's how dogs sound. <laughs> you suck and you've clearly never met a dog. Yeah. I'm a friend to dogs. Dogs are my friends. All right. I love a dog. You know uh, this. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Leave we'll see. Marlins, Marlins Nationals. Here we go just, again. Yeah, just um, don't beat us up too bad, Marlins. Don't embarrass yeah. us, uh, us again. Let's move into some league news. What do you got League for us? news. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about it. Vladdy Jr. wins the Derby. Good for you. Uh, the yeah. Pirates first overall selection, Paul Skeens. Um, too bad for us that we're going to have to watch Paul Skeens probably next year dominating. Um, I think yeah. this is a guy that's going to, you know, assuming health, um, is going to go to the top of the rotation right away. I would not be surprised if Paul Skeens is in their bullpen this year, um, depending on how aggressive the Pirates want to be with their position uh, in the standings and everything like that. But this guy is cooked and ready to go. He is a absolute massive human. I think he's 6'6", 245. Um, and I mean, the the you, you can read endless stories about just how unbelievably dominant, dominant he was throughout the season yeah. in college baseball. But he's he's a star. Uh, the, you see a lot of, uh, you know, adjectives thrown around, a lot of comps and whatnot in draft day. But um, generational talent is one that I think people hold pretty close to the chest on, yeah. uh, com- you know, when they're making comps. And I've seen that a number of times for uh, for Paul Skeen. So, um, yeah, I guess I we want that as fans of baseball. It just it sucks that maybe not the division, so though, <laughs> maybe not. The Pirates will trade him to the Rays for, you know, like a broken outfielder or something. So, yeah, it'll be OK. Yeah. Um, the expansion committee will be formed after the Tampa Bay and Oakland situations are resolved. Yeah. Manfred came out and said this. I I, I think expansion has all but been confirmed a number of times, um, but at least to my money, this was the most like direct way it's been confirmed. Um, the only thing that was interesting to me about it is that the the way you framed it, which is the Oakland and Tampa Bay situations have to be resolved. Yeah. We're very aware, and we've been talking about it all year, of the Oakland situation. Um, I hadn't really heard Manfred talk about, quote-unquote, the Tampa Bay situation. We, of course, know what he means. They, they have... They, they're, like, unlike Oakland, even when the Rays are great, like, their stadium is empty, you know? Um, And like, I think a lot of us, if the Rays move out of Tampa Bay, I think you'd find far more support for that across fandom. No offense to the existing diehard Tampa Bay fans, but just that market has clearly shown an inability to like truly support a, a team. Like, you know, we're talking world series games that like, don't sell out to local crowds, you know, like the, they've been one of the best teams in baseball for a decade and their fan base still struggles. So, yeah, I, I'm I don't critical know. I don't, of that. I don't think the Rays should leave the area. I, I think the problem is first off the teams, uh, it, it's, it's not in Tampa. It's in St. Petersburg. 
Um, they yeah. are, it's, it's a long drive through traffic to get to the stadium. They're kind of in the middle of nowhere as far as their stadium location. I think if, if I was the Rays or that team, I would b- want to build a stadium in Tampa proper that actually like has a, a population yeah. that cares. Yeah. And make it easier to go to. Not to mention it's a terrible place to be. Um, so I actually, <laughs> what Florida, <laughs> well, Florida and that stadium. I mean, it's gotta be the ugliest yeah. stadium in baseball. Um, yeah, that's so fair. That's fair. I don't want to um, much. I would much rather see the rays stay in that area of Florida. Um, than then leave entirely. I think that they could make it work. Um, but just the location, the stadium, everything is just not working. So that that's my two cents. That's fair. You know what I think is probably the biggest thing, though? They should go back to being the Devil Rays. That was way cooler. Hail Satan, baby. Make it the Devil Rays. Yeah, they do the throwbacks fun. every once in a while, which, which are better while. than their current uniforms. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> if they just cha- built all they have to do, build a nice state of the art stadium in their metropolitan area and change yeah. their name back to the Devil Rays. And I think they're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, then we could start talking about expansion, uh, Montreal, Nashville, or or whatever it is. Yeah, um, which I mean, it, it's happening. I'm trying not to be like pessimistic about it, and obviously, leagues expand. It doesn't have to be an inherently bad thing, um, but it does feel a little bit like I feel like we're good with 30, but you yeah. know, most major sports leagues do have 32 getting more baseball into more markets for more people to go to and enjoy. Like I, I, I like that. I get that. Um, you know, two not divisions to mention the expansion fee, Nate. Yeah. Well, of course, which we all as fans get and can enjoy. Of course. Um, and surely that money won't go to, uh, you know, probably some sort of child labor somewhere. Um, God. In, in the, in the home, in the home run derby, they, the, the MLB, ESPN, they're so bad. There's that moment where they're like, the broadcast, like, we've got Bo Bichette down here about to interview uh, Randy Rosarena. And then they split the screen. And one half of the screen is a Geico ad where it's like, oh, my vines are really breaking into my house. And, you're, and we're seeing and hearing that. And then in the other half of the screen, we can see Bo Bichette interviewing. I think it was Randy Rosarina. It might have been Vladdy Guerrero. And we can't hear the interview. We can see that two of the youngest, youngest, most exciting stars in baseball are talking to each other. And then yeah. by the time the ad is done, it goes back to the game. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you've got to be kidding me. Like, how stupid. Like, you have to know that it, that wasn't worth the like the ad break. You know right. what I mean? But it's just anyway, not paying attention. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm spiraling. Um, what else do we got? Speaking of your Tampa Bay Devil Rays, <laughs> um, <laughs> Drew Rasmussen uh, is going to undergo season-ending surgery, so that is too bad. Yeah. Um, speaking of surgery, Mike Trout has undergone uh, hamate surgery, um, which is fairly low risk. He should be back in August at some point. We really hope so. Um, but you know, a star among stars, not in the game. No fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson surgery Holiday. making you hungry. The, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I want to eat handmade bones. 
<laughs> because it's close to ham. Uh, yes. I've had it with you. You today. keep bringing them up. I've had it with you today. Can we stop? <laughs> We're almost out. This episode's already long. <laughs> Uh, Jackson Holiday, superstar prospect for the Baltimore Orioles, has been promoted to double A. I wonder, Nathan, I wonder if the Orioles Benjamin. are going to move a Jordan Westberg, uh, a, a some one of their middle infield prospects, probably not Gunnar Henderson because he is uh, incredible. He's, um, yeah. I wonder if they're going to follow the talent, if they're going to let the kid play at the big league level this year as they move uh, some of those guys for pitching. Um, I think I'll be very, very excited to watch. I think that's another person. I don't think the Orioles would do this. They've shown nothing um, about their history, their recent history, that they would make a move like this. But trading a Jordan Westberg to the Cardinals for a Jordan Montgomery would be a very interesting move. Jordan Montgomery is a pitcher that has experience in the AL East. Um, it would obviously only be a rental um, and I wonder if they would make that kind of play and then bring up a uh, Jackson holiday from double a to take over in short or second, um, man, it'd be kind of crazy that. Yeah, I, I, I would, I certainly hope that the Cardinals can get a prospect at the level of Jordan Westberg from, uh, for Jordan Montgomery. Um, but yeah. I don't, it, I need to be a bigger package than that is what I would assume. Um, yeah. and yeah, the, the Orioles have been, uh, I mean, they've like flat out said, like, we're never going to actually go for it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, I'd be surprised if they would do something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean the rate at which they're moving up holiday and, and you know, the, the way in which he's handled himself at every level of, of baseball m- makes you think if he's not making the league this year, he's certainly competing for a spot at the beginning of next year. And he's only 19. But there have obviously been uh, you don't have to go that far back to find uh, major league players at age 19. Wander Franco, right. for example. And um, and do they need Adam Frazier, Jorge, Jorge Moteo, uh, Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg? Um, there's yeah. a it's Joey not Ortiz. unlike the Cardinals. Yeah, they're in a similar uh, spot to the Cardinals, although yeah. they're high end. Some of these they have a few more of these high end guys than than the Cardinals have, at least they haven't been exposed enough for us to know whether they're, they're high end or not. Um, yeah, but yeah, they, they have a glut of, of, of infield prospects, not that the Cardinals necessarily need that, but you know, I would be happy it's interesting. with Jordan Westberg. Yeah. Yeah. He would, he would fit in nicely somewhere. Um, anyways, the Cardinals need some churn, uh, for the first time in AL East history, the Yankees and Red Sox entered the all-star break as the two bottom in their division. Yeah. Um, which they're both over 500 too. It's so, it's like such a skewed, uh, like perception. Like, yeah, the Yankees are getting like hammered by their fan base for not, you know, winning the division. Um, but they're above 500, you know, they're in they're they're one of the better teams in the AL. It's just the AL East is insane. I mean, it is kind of a good argument for getting rid of divisions and just going back to the like AL, NL top eight, get in the playoffs and just move forward sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I can't believe Aaron the Red Judge, Sox are playing as well. I know Aaron Judge is still their second best player by war and he's been out for quite a while. Um, and maybe again, Torn coming toe. back in August, we'll see. Yeah. 
Uh, Yankees also have fired their hitting coach and they bring in Sean Casey to be their interim mm. hitting coach for the remainder of the year. Um, I, I think interesting in the sense that Sean Casey is really more of a TV personality than a hitting coach. <laughs> yeah. This is also yeah. the first time that uh, the Yankees uh, under Cashman have fired a coach midseason. Um, so so striking, to, especially compared to what you're just talking about, how they're still good. They're just in a rough place in their division. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's it's all up in arms over there. Yeah, it's surprising. I mean, they're they're showing some urgency, which is good. Now, I don't yeah. you know firing your hitting coach. You know, scapegoat. It's often, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a new hitting coach for seventy five, eighty games. Like, what is that truly going to do? But they're trying. You know, they're doing something to show that they're. You know, they're trying to improve it. Um, yeah, to me, you know, what- Sean Casey's just coming in as like a vibe check. Like, yeah. everybody, chill out. I'm a cool guy. Um, I'm friends with Booney. Let's all hang out and, and maybe relax yeah. a little bit. Cause I'm guessing have that some, that clubhouse is a little tense right now, but have some Bud Light Limes. Oh, BLLs baby. Let's go. <laughs> uh, we um, did talk about it at the top of the show, but, uh, Mazalak basically reaffirmed confidence in Marmol and then Bill DeWitt reaffirmed confidence in John Mazalak. Uh, yeah. so there's like, none of that's going to happen on the Cardinals. So no, they ain't going nowhere. Um, final piece of news, Victor, Victor Mesa, former Marlins prospect has left the club. Um, apparently having a outburst in the clubhouse, uh, drove away from the stadium and has not contacted the Marlins for about four days now. Um, so there that is. Remember when Yairo Munoz did that to the Cardinals and then made it back to the majors on another team? Yes. Yes, I do. Kind of crazy how this can happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like he's just Victor Victor Mesa is just like still just driving to the Ranger Stadium or something where he's going to play for them now. (laughs) Can I come hang out with you guys? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. That's all I got for League News this week. All right. So because we are. At the halfway point of the baseball season, of the baseball, the full baseball schedule, whatever we said. There we go. The there we go. This episode. Um, I thought for our last segment this week, uh, we would check in on some of the other bold predictions and segments that uh, that we had done earlier in the year. So um, at the beginning of the season, Ben, you and I made some predictions on the major awards for this season. I thought it'd be interesting to check in on those. And then we're going to do a second check-in on our Heroes and Halflings Draft Day edition. So um, I'm just going to run down this and we'll kind of talk yeah. about it as we go. We're going to start with our uh, our major award um, predictions. Uh, ben, you got a couple really good here. And then there's a couple in here that are uh, not going to work out so well for you. But uh, for AL MVP... Uh, you predicted Shohei Otani, which I mean, I think he could retire today and still win the MVP this season. So <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much a lock. Um, and you did Ronald Acuna Jr. for the NL, which uh, not as much of a lock as Shohei, but as close to a lock as you can get it at the All Star break. Um, yeah, he's been he basically he basically have to get hurt and miss the rest of the season, I think, for him to not win it at this point. Right. He's. He's on pace for what is it, like a 40 70 season or something like that. Something that's Some, never yeah. happened. Yeah. Insane. 
Um, so I think you've nailed the AL and NL barring any insane changes. Um, here's where it gets a little more rough for you. Uh-oh. AL Cy Young prediction, Alec Manoa. <laughs> <laughs> Not great. He looked good against the Tigers. So maybe yeah. he's back. Tigers. Maybe he's back. But yeah. uh, right now they're just hoping he ends the season in the rotation. So Cy Young probably out the door. Yeah. Uh, in L Cy Young, you did Aaron Nola, um, which you know, he's having a fine season, but probably not uh, Cy Young. Not there, yeah, unfortunately. Um, AL Rookie of the Year, you have Grayson Rodriguez. Not not happening right now. No. Um, I don't know who you would say is the AL Rookie of the Year uh, front runner. But a good um, question. I'll, have to, I'll think about that for a little bit. That's- yeah. Uh, for NL Rookie of the Year, you selected Jordan Walker, which we talked about Corbin Carroll earlier in the episode. Um, so, I mean, it could still happen. Like you were saying, there's some shoulder concerns, and we think Walker's going to have a big second half, but Corbin Carroll's had a monster first half. So, Yeah, it would. I, I And I, I'd like to be clear. I don't want Corbin Carroll to have an injured shoulder. It just... No, of course. This is the second time. It it it, it just it's not looking well. We'll see what happens. I, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Um, Josh Young, by the way, probably the leader for oh, AL yeah. Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah, he's crushing it. All right, uh, you have some good picks in there. I don't think I have any good picks right now. <laughs> so um, I also tried to not pick. You went first, and I tried to not pick you guys. Guys, you oh picked. I think the excuses. It, well, wow. I think in our discussion, we both said like. Otani is the front runner by a mile going into the season. Sure. You know? But I wanted to pick someone else. I picked Vlad Jr. So he won the Derby, you know, so that's yeah. cool. But he's really not having the year that, uh, you know, he he wanted to have. Um, I'll tell you, I was looking at his savant stats the other day. They're all through the roof. I wouldn't be surprised oh, yeah. if, he, if he pops off. Yeah. I mean, he's still incredible. And, you know, most people would kill for even the season he's having right now. But it's not what, you know like not the messiah that we thought he might be yeah uh in lmvp i selected juan soto having a great year but yeah there's just there's just nothing he's just not doing what acuna is doing no 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 one is i think he will end up in the top five um if he continues at the pace he is right now but he just can't compete with acuna uh al cy young mcclanahan he was having a great year. He is now hurt. So kind of some bad luck there. He's probably going to be hurt. Uh, he's missing probably a month at least. So, you know, probably kills his chances, although people have won it with with less. So right. we'll see. Um, Kevin Gosman is having a great year, though. So he, he is. He is having a very good year. So it would take returning and having a, a really strong second half. But he could. And he's on the raise. So he could yep. get a lot of that, you know. Um, so I'm not, I'm not giving up hope on that one yet. I think he still has a shot. Uh, and El Cy Young, I said Verlander, which is not going to happen, man. Um, so rough year for Verlander. Yeah. Uh, AL rookie of the year. I said Gunnar Henderson. He's been really coming on. Um, but young, I think is a huge front runner. Um, so we'll see second Gun- half Gunnar. He is that kind of guy. Cause he has been hitting a lot better recently. Like, yeah. He could just dominate the second half. I really yeah. like him. And uh, well, the Rangers are a great narrative, too. So don't get me wrong. Um, but like the Orioles, it'd be you know, if they make the playoffs like and he has a huge second half. You could see it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, because we're a Cardinal podcast, I also selected Jordan Walker for an L rookie of the year. And uh, well, 
Yeah. I still think it's going to happen there. Yeah. All right. Another game we played. We're just going to run down this too, and then we'll we'll call the episode. We're getting pretty long here. But um, at the beginning of the season, uh, we did a little draft. You could draft three people on the uh, 26-man and then three people not on the 26-man. At the end of the season, whoever has the most accrued F4 wins. Uh, so I'm going to run down it. Uh, we'll start with me. My team was Nolan Arenado, Nolan Gorman, Dylan Carlson, Matt Libertor, Gordon Graceffo, and Moises Go- Gomez. Uh, now at at today, Nolan Arenado is at two F four. All right. Uh, Nolan Gorman is at one point two, which is a half a war less than he was when we last checked in on this. Damn. So he's had a rough. Yeah. Um, Dylan Carlson is at a half war which he was at negative point one last time we checked in on this. So he's had a good second half and Matt Liberator or second quarter, Matt Liberator point three. He was no. at point two last time <laughs> we checked in on this. So despite uh, his struggles, he still accrued a point one F war in the last two go. months or so. Uh, and giving me a total of 4.0. Man, you have Paul Goldschmidt. He is at uh, 2.6. Take he was that. at 2.1 last time we checked in, though. So he, you know, he's he was his pace has slowed. Uh, you have Tyler O'Neill, who is at negative 0.3 and has been there for a while. Uh, then you have Tommy Edmond, who's at 1.2. He was at one the last time we checked in. So he's really slowed down as well. And then you have Mason Wynn, uh, Guillermo Zuniga, and Jake Walsh, who are yeah. all at zero. So, Ben, you are at 3.5. So I have now taken a half a war lead over you. All right. So we'll we'll see in this uh, back half, some of these rookies, if they come up and start to make an impact, that might be the difference maker. And I, I have established. Need, I was just going to say these we, people get traded. Yeah, they you still you, we this happened last year with Johan Oviedo. Yep. Uh, uh, if you get traded, we they are still part of your war accrual. Yeah. Okay. Good. Same page. Yep. Yeah. Cause if you remember last year, I had Matt Liberator and you had Johan Oviedo. Uh, and the last game of the year was yeah. Matt Liberator against <laughs> Johan Oviedo. Yes. <laughs> it was amazing. And then we ended up in a tie. It was yes. incredible. Wow. So, right, well, I think Tommy and Tyler are really going to help me out. And like I said, Mason Wynn's going to come up. Uh, Guillermo Zuniga might do something. Jake Walsh doesn't seem like he's going to come up this year unless something goes terribly wrong. So I I guess we'll see. What more could go wrong, Ben? Um, All right, that'll do it. Thank you all for joining us for this week. Uh, Next week, we will be back, though. It will be slightly different. Uh, Benny Boy is going to be off in his little hut or whatever he's doing in Canada. Uh, So, you know, check the feed for something a little different next week. And uh, hopefully the Cardinals have a good series against the Nationals and the Marlins. And thanks again for listening. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Until next week, go Cardinals. Let's go Cardinals.